In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Stephen Carl about how to stay ahead of the curve. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 81. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pleski, and I'm here today with Stephen Kyle. Stephen is the founder of Needle Movement, an e-commerce agency where he advises retail brands on how to achieve sustainable digital growth and profitability. I asked Stephen on the show today, to talk about how you can stay ahead of the curve in the ever-changing landscape of e-commerce. So, hey, Stephen, how are you doing today? Hey, Charles. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So, I love the topic. Um, I'm kind of just the strategy around staying ahead of the curve, right? Because um, you hear a lot of tactics, but kind of the overall strategy. Um, I'm very interested to kind of dig into it. So, are you thinking more on the marketing side or is it more kind of holistic when you kind of talk about that i'm thinking holistically i think with with e-commerce learning is such a huge part of this game because we're now in this accelerated transformative curve where you know we have our playbook and then a year later it's it's as if that playbook is not as effective anymore so you know how do you so you know everything's going to change you know, so how do you do that trend spotting and learning so that you're not surprised? Because I think as, a, as an e-commerce company, I hate surprises. I, I want to, you know, you don't have to be the first person, but you just want to be on that first wave of people that becomes aware of these shifts in strategy and trends. So that's how I got more interested in learning because I've, I've been in the industry for 20 years and I used to be able to get by just from going to like internet retailer once a year um, or other conferences and I'd be good for a few months, you know, but now I've, I've noticed how much things are changing and just been distilling back like a system of how do we keep on top of things so that, you know, we're not just copying other people or FOMOing into strategies, you know, but where, you know, we're doing the, the, the best strategy that's out there. Yeah, I always like to think of, you know, strategy as, well, first, tactics are like the things you actually do, right? So you're running Facebook mm -hmm. ads, this sort of campaign, this is how you target your audience, like very tactical, right? Those tactics. But the strategy is the overall why you're doing that, or does it even make sense for your business? Because it doesn't, maybe Facebook ads are great for one business, but that's not, you know, how you should be doing it for a different business. Um, so I like kind of that a concept of what's the overall strategy? And then let's break the, then let's fit the tactics into that and not the other way around. Cause I see what a lot of people do is just have this like, um, 
random collection of tactics. And when they see a different tactic, hey, let's do that real quick. And it's just nothing really fits. It's just this like hodgepodge, right? It doesn't really, um, they don't come together well. But having that overall strategy allows you to kind of link everything together. Yeah. And I think it's right. It's like you don't want that paper napkin or I saw this email. Let's do this. Um, so I, I think we can unpack that into because I know strategy is such an abstract term. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, you know, so how to make that tangible and into. So, I mean, I can explain like the system, you know, I think with with businesses, our challenge is just that the day to day is so overwhelming now that. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, hey, I'd love to think about strategy, but there's 15 hats I'm wearing right now. You know, so how how can I do that? Um, but I think a lot of it is just allocating um, a little bit of time to that learning aspect, you know, and having um, a system around it. Because, you know, our system, we want our system to be more than just answering calls from different vendors who say they have the silver bullet or reading an article that is, you know, five different ways that you can transform your marketing. And then you read it and you're like, that's clickbait. I was tricked. I was, you know, so, you know, how we can really like elevate that, that learning. So, I mean, the system really is, I mean, for, for the pillars, you know, first off, learn about your customers. You know, second off would be learn about your website performance. You know, the third is learn about the industry, the things that are happening around you. You know, and then it's learn from other people that we got this glorious thing going on called the hive mind where everyone's sharing knowledge. So how to how to take advantage of, you know, all all that great intel that you're getting from other people. So those are the the, the four basic sets. So learn about your customers learn about your site's performance industry and learn from other people, right? Those are kind of the four main bullet points. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So when you say, so I guess first, right, when you say customers, are you talking about the customer avatar sort of thing? Or like, I, I guess it goes into like surveying and how important it is to get like, you know, to survey your customers and interview them to, to make sure that, you want to you want to have a product that's going to that you you want to know you have the right audience to sell you know that you're selling that product to. Um, that's first off. So you you want to make sure there's no friction in that relationship that the audience and the market and the product are fitting well. Um, you know, then the other aspect of it is that you want to find out problems before they become big problems. So you know that's where learning about your customers and who they are like like when customers like a product or a brand they love being involved in the process so getting that feedback i mean it could be a survey it's also looking at your reviews very closely um you know having really valuing your customer service team so that you know that they're not afraid to walk into the room and say this thing stinks it's not working it's not making sense so how you can empower them but it's just you know you really want to have your pulse on that customer and what, how they interact with your product and what their motivations are and what benefits. The key thing is the benefits, I think, too, because when, when you know the main benefit of your product, that's a very easy thing to translate into your copy and your brand persuasion to make them more likely to 
purchase to speak to those unconscious objections and encourage them to buy again. Yeah, I like the I like the idea of having that solid understanding of your customer down to and I've kind of gone through this exercise before where you even have that avatar and you give them a name, that sort of thing. But just because you see a lot of people say, you know, who do we sell to? And like 18 to 45 males and like, all right, well, that's not really, that is a segment, but it's <laughs> like an unreasonably large segment. And sure, you want to shoot for a big number, but it's much better in a lot of cases focusing on, okay, your customer is a, you know, 20 to 30 year old left-handed fisherman. And if you're a 30 to a 20, 30 year old left-handed fisherman, they should, at that point, you're able, you're able to saturate that market and they would all know about you. And you can actually get to this point of, Hey, when they want to buy, you know, a fishing rod or whatever it is, they think of you, right? Because you're the only one that kind of goes after those left-handed fishing rods or whatever it is. And kind of getting so into that market where they almost have to think of you. Um, but the first step, right, is understanding what is that market. Right. Because that's, and the, and the reason, yeah, for that, I like, and I like your avatar and the personas, like, you know, I think we've, and I've, I've heard before on your show, it's not, they're not perfect, but it's, it's something that evolves, that you gain more understanding of it with time. But I think the, a lot of times just numbers don't really tell the story because these people like, you know, these people are not numbers, like they're your customers. They're really important. And their stories are going to influence the strategy. And like, I, I always say like with like, with, I know it sometimes in departments, it can be tough because people have strong opinions. I think the best way to break a tie for is to say, well, we just did this survey and I just read 50 comments that are saying the same thing, that this is good or this is bad. So bringing that customer insight can also, you know, it can, it can clarify certain things where, you know, when you're so close to the situation as a company, sometimes you might not see it as well. But when you're getting that feedback from the customers, it, it normalizes and balances it out. Yeah. And I think knowing, it's not just knowing your customer, but like, why are they buying? So for instance, like a lot of e-commerce sites are gifts. So you're, you're selling to, let's say a father's day gift, right? But you're actually selling to the, the mother or the children, that sort of thing. And they're buying it for the father. So you might find out, okay, these are gifts for males, but that's actually not our customer. It's actually females buying it as a father's day gift. And maybe that's our thing. And the segment is actually how to attract those people buying it for their dad. So you could have things like that where, unless you're really clear on that segment, you could just completely miss that. Yeah, and I think, and also that the, the insight you have on these customers coming to your website will also benefit you on other channels. Yes, exactly. No. Yep. So it's kind of, it. that's your, but that's your, your way to get things right um, before you're, you know, it, it will optimize your spends because it will improve the way that you're addressing your, your home team. Yeah. And it drives everything, right? Like from the copy on the ads to that's one of those strategy type things, right? Where once you kind of nail that and really have that down, it trickles down to every other part on copy from the landing pages, the ads, how you position the product, how you take the photos, just because, you know, if you're selling to a different demographic, maybe you want to have a different person in the photo or whatever that looks like, um, you know, some yeah, I, the male or female in the photos. So I guess, I, I guess a couple other things with like, with feedback is, I mean, a couple of tips is that, you know, you can do continual surveys, like don't just do a one-off every season, but just find a way to like, you can do post-purchase surveys and attach them to emails where you're, where you ask 
few a few questions you know like like one question i i like sometimes ask in surveys is you know how would you describe this product to a friend or how would you describe us to a friend and that tells you the relatable language yep. that they would be using yeah things like that uh, you know? and that's one of those things you kind of can build up a um almost like a bank of them. I've seen people actually feed that into like a, a Google, use um, like a Zapier to put that in a Google sheet where then you, you're running through um, designing ad copy and then you just have this Google sheet of here's how the past thousand customers described our product. And it's, and you can start picking out, we see them all in one place and you start picking out, hey, here are the kind of common words I use, here's some common language. And you kind of get that insight and doing it that way, right? Correct. Yeah, it's and it's and it's great to use tools like Zapier to make it. Yeah, to make it can you know really, just so you have to, you 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 set it up once and then you're good for a few months, getting consistent feedback. You know, but a lot of it is just you know with with having sustainable growth, you want to. I like the idea of getting better every month versus expecting explosive growth at certain periods. Like that's the way a, like a healthy brand grows. So when you when you identify your strengths and weaknesses from that customer feedback, then you can take that and then you prioritize your initiatives based on it. You know, because I think I've, you know, I've, I mean, this segues a little bit into the second one, which is knowing your website performance. But, you know, we look at Google Analytics, we look at Shopify's dashboard, BigCommerce, their dashboard. And, you know, there are things that we know but it's just a bunch of numbers and you know we can deduce certain things but we don't get you know it gives us some guesses on what's working but i think when you couple that with the customer data then you're you're making more educated guesses okay so when you say website performance we're talking numbers on the like how conversion rates and how the funnels performing and click yep. to carts that sort of thing um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And I think, and I think we know, I mean, I, I think the only, we know a lot of these key performance indicators, like of course, revenue is going to be a big one. Um, net revenue, cause you know, net is what you get. Net is the actual money, not gross. Yep. Um, you know, I think conversion rate is also an, an important one cause it will tell you if how compelling the website is. So, I mean, let's just say your conversion rate is at 1%, you know, there's probably an opportunity, you know, to, there's probably something that's, that's getting in the way of the performance. Um, I mean, I think the other thing with website statistics that can give you quick insight is how, what are your best performing channels? You know, like what, what channel do people just get and that it's easy to translate because then when you see like, you know, if your email is doing really well, then, you know, I think there is a, a misconception sometimes that you've hit the ceiling of how well your email can do. Like sometimes if people just are, you know, in media right now, there's so many people just respond. They have different natural habitats. Like some people respond to email a lot. Some people are on Instagram a lot. Um, you know, some people are watching YouTube. So you want to, you know, so there's with your performing channels, you get an insight into, okay, this is where my brand makes sense to a lot of people and where people get it. Like I have, I can see that tribe that's assembling there, you know, and from there, once you identify that tribe and that strength, a lot of times what companies do is they just 
put more investment into that? Because isn't it better to invest in something where you're like, I know this, I know this is already working and I just want to amplify it versus I don't know, but somebody else told me that this is a great channel. Yeah. That advice of just do more of what's working. It, it's very, yeah. it, it works in a lot of cases where, you know, you see people saying, you know, I want to grow this and that. And usually the easiest thing is saying, well, what's working now, right? Like what channels are working today and not, oh, we have this great new tactics. Maybe you should try it. It's just a, the low, the low hanging fruit almost every time is saying what's working now. And there's very few times we talk to someone and they actually say, you know what? We've reached a sailing. Like we're spending more than we could, like we're 100% invested in this. We can't spend it anymore. We need a new channel. It's almost always, yeah, we could actually, we could double down, triple down. We could 10x. And unless you're going for a super select market, you could almost grow. You could almost always keep doubling uh, indefinitely. And sometimes it involves just staffing a certain area a little bit more. Like with email marketing, I see that a lot where you might have one rock star who's doing everything on email marketing, you know, but imagine if you had someone that really knew the platform well and could run your automations better. Imagine if like you had a copywriter there that was really speaking to the, the pain and the, the benefit that you're giving, or if you had a designer to template things that made it look a little bit more polished. You know, so all these things are just opportunity areas that if it's if it's already working and you see that, then you can you can boost it up. And the same thing goes for Instagram, where let's just, you know, there's a lot of in one channel, like there can be a lot of different skill sets. And when you're starting out, you know, you're doing everything as as with as low cost as possible. But when you start seeing a benefit, like with email, let's just you know, there's eye popping numbers of how much return on investment email makes. I mean, the, the official stat is 44 to one. That's a little optimistic, but let's just say they're totally lying. And that number is 12 to one. You're still killing it on email. So that's why like, you know, sometimes I see companies that will spend $10,000 a month on Google ads. But then when it comes time to invest in something like email, they're like, we don't have a budget for that. And, you know, you're probably making more on email than you are in other, you know, another channel. Yeah. I like that also because, uh, or making Drip, more return on investment. Drip is actually a sponsor of this week's show. So there you go with, uh, email. And that's one of those things with, it's very easy to automate the process and really just kind of, that's one of those flywheels that you can just get going and it's slow to build and your email list, you know, day one might be all of, you know, 20 people. And even once a thousand or 10,000, it will grow, but it's just flywheel that you need to, like you said, kind of automate that process and at least just have structure around it. So it's every month just improving and growing. And it's not just this one time little pop of, Hey, we're going to run a, um, you know, like a banner ad or something. Um, I've seen that where you, like a large ad on a site where you run it for 30 days and then it's over or something like email is just something you're just always funneling user into that. The list is growing. And like you said, you can always refine that process and going from, you know, four to 5%, once the numbers get big, really make a big difference. Um, so it might seem small when you, you know, you have a hundred person email list, but when you have a 10,000 person email list, that little percentage really adds up. Yeah, it's so I, and I see with email marketing, just there's, it's getting so personalized now where I see now when I, when people purchase that I'm getting these five part welcome series that are 
telling me stories about the the founder of the company and are um, are really are bringing me into the story of the of the brands and making me more loyal. Yeah. But yeah, email automation is is definitely worth you know worthwhile. So I guess let's see for the in terms of learning system just to go to that. Um, so there's so we talked about customers. You know, we talked about the website performance. The last two are industry and then people. Yep. So with industry, you know, I think with yeah, how do you get the best industry information? And I think it's a it's a really big challenge because there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of there's a lot of great products out there, you know, but it's you need a holistic approach to really get it together. So, you know, I think with industry, like I I love podcasts as sources of information. You know, I, I think it's a it's a great spot to get case studies and to get a different set of knowledge because it's independent media. It doesn't have as much of a bias. Um, you know, print media and internet media, I'm a little bit skeptical of sometimes because I think the goal is really to get you to click. It's not going to necessarily solve your problems. You know, so sometimes, you know, I think it's it's good to keep on track of it, um, you know, but let's see, some other sources I would say is Twitter. Um, what I typically do with e-commerce is if there's, there's a lot of great voices in the industry and if I like what they're saying, you know, and, and Charles, I just followed, I just followed you a couple of days ago as well, because I, I love some of the insights from the show. But if I, if I see someone that's making some really good points, I'm, I, I want to follow them on Twitter. Um, you know, because I think with Twitter, we hear about all the like tweet storms and all these and all these negative associations. There are some terrible experiences on Twitter, but it's also a great way to 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 get stock, you know, to hear from individuals who are really knowledgeable about the industry. You know, so one I mean, one example of a Twitter account to follow and I have no affiliation with him is um, Webb Smith. And he was he runs a newsletter called at 2 p.m. And he was formerly involved with Mies and Main, which is a an apparel company um, that had exponential growth. Um, but he runs his newsletter. I think he says some really smart things. And I, I follow him on Twitter to hear the updates that he has um, you know, on it. So that's just one example where let's just say you're reading a, an article in Forbes and you like what the author's saying, you know, follow that author and you can you'll you'll get a lot of extra insights that weren't necessarily included um in the you know in in the in the pieces and you're talking about following are you talking about following folks in the e-commerce industry or in the industry you're selling into right so you might be selling into e-commerce but let's say right. you know the fisherman example would you go through and follow all the uh, you know people in that industry of journalists uh, the journalists different outdoors people that sort of thing yes you could because you're you're looking into you're looking just to find thought leaders in this space. So if so for left-handed fishermen, if there's you know, if Lefty Rodriguez is <laughs> the you know, the the world renowned, he won the left-handed fisherman competition. You know, I, I think with learning there's also this information filter which you, which you want to put which is what's the quality of the information they're providing. And I think you can tell oftentimes the, the quality and if you know if they're saying things that um, that you're hearing you know if they're saying they're making intelligent insights that are ahead of the curve 
you know, those are the people that you want to, you want to be, you know, keep on top of. Because if you're not, you know, if you're not listening to the podcast, if you're not following the Twitter feed, then you're not going to find out about some of these insights. Yeah. You know, so Twitter is an easy one too, where you can follow, like you're saying, like journalists, podcasters, people who put out content and you typically just hear things they put in extra things on something like Twitter that maybe, you know, listening to a half hour, 40 minute podcast, they're doing that every week or so, whatever that is, but they might just say things every day, all day on Twitter. And you get these little like nuggets of information that they, that that's the only place where they live. And they just kind of drop them. They're very small. They go away, but just kind of following that flow starts to give you this like directional of where's the industry headed and is this a new thing or is this kind of, is this trending down or trending up? And that's a pretty important thing just to know where things headed. And that allows you to kind of stay current and know the direction of things. And yeah. And, and the other, another important point is to go multi-channel with your learning because you're going to hear different things from different, like, you know, you're going to learn something new from a podcast that's different from your, you know, from a Twitter feed. I, you know, I have some email, some newsletters, from e-commerce specialists that, you know, I also get nuggets of wisdom, you know, from. So it all combines that you're going to hear different things in different places, but combined, you're going to have more knowledge built in with it. Yeah, I like that. Just kind of staying, it allows you to kind of just stay in the, stay as like at least listening to the conversation, even if you're not participating, but just being part and listen to that conversation that's happening every day all day regardless of whether you're there or not but you can just now and things like you were saying twitter or podcast you can just you know be almost like eavesdropping into what's going on um, and you don't need to be part of it necessarily because not everyone wants to be or has time but at least you can be knowledgeable about what other folks are saying so that's a great one and then last when you say learn from other people that's is, so that's yeah mm-hmm. so what's that so that would be I think at companies, it's, I mean, the first step is to have, it's a good idea to have outside of your company, a couple of people that are advisory, you know, and, and this could be, it's just someone that is going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, cause I, I think in e-commerce sometimes we're, you know, we, we can, there's just a lot of pride and there's a lot of pride at stake and in your culture it's like it's it's very important to have objectivity that if something is working great but if something is not working then what's great about the web is you can always change it you don't have to stay in any you know especially smaller to mid-sized businesses you're slow you're nimble you have only a few decision makers so you know so that having advisors outside of the company is very important, um, but it has to be someone that's going to tell you the truth, and that you're gonna that and that you know you respect their opinion enough, you know, to deliver that. And it, you know, it can't be a homer either. You know, if you can't be, you know, it's like I don't know if someone's spouse or best friend is is fit for that role because that introduces bias into the equation. You know, but because I think you know we. As e-commerce owners, we all want the truth. Like the truth is something that, like we, we whatever's getting in the way of our sales or whatever will lead us to the next horizon, 
we want to know about it, you know, and the sooner we find out about it, the sooner we can, you know, we can take it to that level. So a lot of times that having that outside body of, a, of an, of an advisor or two that just someone that's independent, that you can bounce off ideas, um, can be really valuable because they're just, and a lot of times like decisions are not, they, they happen over time. Like, you know, we, like you and I could have a conversation about, you know, how we're going to, what we're going to invest in, you know, our branding, you know, and, you know, maybe today we're not going to be on the same page, but we just have a dialogue about it and we see how things are going over time. And, you know, we, we can adapt and adjust the strategy. And I think that's what having those, that, you know, that objective outside body that's going to, you know, tell you things. So that's one part of learning from other people. I think the other part is, is really just an extension of, getting to know people inside the industry, having, you know, part, you know, partnering with other companies that are similarly situated. You know, we have this impression that everyone's our competitor, but a lot of times there's really not much competitive material. So, you know, if you have a few companies that, you know, you can reach out to for partnerships, I mean, a lot of that can just be intellectual brainstorming where, Every quarter, you just have a call and you're like, hey, what did you hear? What did you hear? And odds are you're going to find out a lot more than if you're sitting at your desk searching for it. And I think the good thing is when you talk to companies and people in the, you know, that have gone through some of the implementations, you know, like let's just say you're, let's just say you're exploring Drip, you know, you want to hear from people those success stories. You know, and you want to hear, you know, what people have, you know, because those success stories also are going to help you on day one, because then you're going to have a game plan, you know, to, you know, it's not just let's do email marketing. It's, you know, here's 15 email marketing campaigns that we can automate that were successful for a couple of other businesses that I've spoken to. So that it's that high, you know, it's. It's networking, networking with people and getting that, that real insight that comes from interacting. Yeah. I've always thought of it as this, how you measure those people. Cause a lot of people say, yeah, people I talk to, but it's really, um, and there's a gradient, right? Where when you talk to that person and they say, how's it going? The people you don't know that you're not familiar with, you have this like thing you kind of, you know, when you meet mm -hmm. someone uh, at a networking event great. We're killing it. We're crushing it. We're growing. <laughs> right. You have this, basically, if you meet someone at an event, there's like this can thing that everyone says on how fantastic everything is. And then depending on how close you are with that person, it kind of becomes a scale of, well, you know, we're having this challenge. Do you have any, like, there's that, that person, then all the way to the uh, awful, you know, let me tell you about the 10 bad things that happened. Let me kind of, and you just dig into them and you kind of just like unleash on that. Um, kind of like, are able to like unload on that person? And have them give you some feedback. So, and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. And I think always, we all like. Yeah, mm -hmm. go on. I was gonna say, like, I think we both see this in our businesses. Like, I see with Needle Movement that I first came in a few years ago, thinking of it as a marketing agency, but then I saw this real need for digital strategy and and just that people need to solve problems, and it's not just how much it's not just am I gonna do Facebook ads or not. That's what the media tells you, but it's you know, gosh, I have all the, I have all these other questions on my business. Um, and also I can't do this on my own or my company can't, 
I need to bring in partners, like, you know, people that are going to, you know, people that are going to help me or like, you know, and we were talking about how other companies, you know, how a lot of times like companies can just partner together and gain mutual benefits in terms of promoting themselves and exposing themselves to different audiences. Yeah. Even just something simple, like cross, um, cross promotion of content, blog swapping, Mm -hmm. there's usually this, um, like warming up days, right. Where there's like, like same thing, the people you meet at the event, Hey, we're doing great. That sort of thing. But then as you kind of start building that partnership, you start saying, Hey, we could both benefit from this. And it allows you to start talking a little more on, Hey, we're also trying to scale our, you know, LinkedIn presence. Great. We can, you know, we can, um, put your account, uh, comment, add, add you to some of our, um, posts. So it allows you to, you know, kind of open up to that person a little bit and say, here's what we're trying to do. And then sometimes they can actually help you with that. Um, then the other thing I've been exploring more is even like formal, like coaching arrangements where that person is actually, you know, it's not, Hey, how you doing? It's, Hey, what are your challenges right now? Where the goal of that is to just have someone to you tell what's going wrong. Basically, (laughs) you know, some share some wins, but the majority of here's what I'm working on. Here's what's not working. What can I do better? That sort of thing. And just having someone there to just give all that to and not have to have that facade all the time of we're doing great. And I know, (laughs) I know all the answers. I'm the master of the universe. Um, So I like that having people like that around. Yeah. I think, I think mistakes are awesome in our business because when we can uncover them, we can, we can fix them. Like the worst thing is, is a mistake that you're not aware of that's hurting your business, you know? So it's, you know, it's just how to get, you know, how to extrapolate that. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, it's, it's uh, like a lot of times it's no one did anything wrong. It's just, if we can do it better, it's not because someone did something wrong and no one should ever feel that way. Like everyone screws up. It's, it's something on, on teams, nobody is perfect, but you know, it's just, it's just kind of looking at ideas freshly every month or so and saying, all right, we're doing this now. Like, you know, not everything's perfect or my, you know, and I think it's that perfection that gets in the way sometimes, because I think that time you spend trying to bring that facade of perfection, that's time that you could be troubleshooting and problem solving. And that's, what's going to get you to the next place, not the idea of perfection. Yeah. I like the idea too of having the outside set of eyes, just because easy example, the design of the site, right? Where. You might have implemented it four years ago. You worked with a designer, you hit it out of the park, you loved it, that sort of thing. But over time, that starts to look old. But it's one of those things where to you, it's the same design, right? Nothing's actually changed. But to the outside world, they actually look and go, eh, you know, you're using Flash on your website, sort of thing. <laughs> right, right. Maybe stop doing that. Like, There's blinking purple text. Yeah, There's blinking text. No, it, and, looked, it looked great. It was it was the trend of the times. But yeah, in the 90s, that was fantastic. But it's right. 2019. <laughs> let's have a little, you know, let's sit you down and talk. Like, you need to look at that again. So it's one of those things that outside perspective gives you that, right? Because you might, unless you follow design blogs and you have an eye for design, you might think that blinking text and that, you know, big Flash site is still fantastic. But... And I'm obviously joking here, but things like that even, right? Where just little things, the industry and the world changes out from under you. So having, so even if it was good, you need someone to be looking at it from the outside to let you know, maybe it's not good anymore. And having that person that's not in the day-to-day definitely helps with that. Yeah. And it's, and it can be like a, you can have a voting process in your head. Like someone could say, this is, this isn't right. And you could say, I'm going to do it this way anyway. Like, you know, I think as, as business leaders, sometimes 
some, you know, oftentimes you're going to be right about that. But I think having that, having that extra feedback is typically going to help in the long run. It's a data point, right? Where think of just, you're the captain of the ship and there's different people on the ship giving you, there's people in the engine Yeah. And you make the decisions. Yes. So it's, it's, you're not, you're not threatening your decision-making ability, getting that outside feedback. And you need that feedback, right? Because as you're the captain of the ship, right? You don't know what's going on in the engine room. You don't know what's going on in other parts of the ship. You just can't see them necessarily because you're focused on, you know, where the ship's going and those sort of things. So you need that feedback in there because from your position, you might not be naturally getting it at all times. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think that's super helpful. So I like, yeah, I love the idea of like setting up a system to learn better, I guess. How would you call, what would actually, what would be the word for this? Like a, <laughs> a I don't know. It's like accelerated e-commerce learn. learning, but it's yeah. something like that. It's e-commerce university, whatever, you know, it's, you know, but there, but we don't, yeah, like we don't have this formalized system. So we're just picking off knowledge bombs here and there and these aha moments. So it's just trying to systematize it a little bit more. I think that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And I think in the long run, you need, you need this process, right? Cause getting started, I feel like at the beginning and a lot of people do this, they buy a course, it's kind of a little kit. You just implement, Hey, here are the 10 steps of launching an e-commerce site. And it's actually a good way to get started. I always kind of say, you know what, it's better than wandering around on your own, but you need almost here are the 10 steps. But then once you actually do those, if you have any success, you need to be able to say, okay, in 12 months, it's everything has, um, this like lifespan where it's going to end and you need to kind of grow and you're going to grow out of it. So you need the system, this like 2.0 version of that of, okay, I got to where I am, but that's not going to get me where I want to go. So now I need to build some sort of process around where I want to get to. Right. Cause you know, that change is coming in the future. So you're just anticipating that so that it's just the advantage of knowing things before your competitors is, is very compelling, you know, and gives you, you know, will will give your business advantages, um, as well. It's just having a well-rounded knowledge set and making informed, more, you know, how can, how you can make your decision making more informed. I think that's because you always want to pick from good options. Not you don't want to like be throwing a hail mary pass on things, or you know, if it's if it's just when you're making a decision, it's like why are you doing it and how how strong how confident are you yep in it i like that cool all right yeah i think um so i think let's just one more time customers web performance industries and learning from other people kind of the four main points um so i'll definitely put those in the show notes anything else if people want to kind of learn more about you learn what you're doing at the agency where can they find more uh yes so you can so you can visit needlemovement.com, um, and there you'll have a couple of options. Um, so you can, so for all the for the podcast, um, we'll be offering some growth strategy calls, um, and that's something you can sign up for. Um, and this is just a you know I something you should know about me is I hate sales, you know thinly veiled sales approaches. So. Um, I'm always fascinated about e-commerce and people's experiences. So it's really just a conversation and, you know, we'll see if there's some things from my, you know, from my experience of how I can help, um, inform yours. Um, and then I also have an, 
um, there's an email sign up option as well. And along with that, like I, you know, I periodically send newsletters that um, inform my audience of things that are happening right now in e-commerce to keep to keep the entire community ahead of the curve. I like that. Cool. Yeah, people should definitely sign up for that. I love the idea of offering even a a free call just to um, chat, right? Because it's one of those things where even if it's not a great fit, you know, they're going to learn a little something and, you know, everyone benefits usually from those. So people should definitely check that out. And I will link to that in the show notes. So thank you for uh, coming on today. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for having me.